Okay, so I feel like the intro to these, they're always going to be a little awkward. Um, I don't I don't know how to address people I'm not in front of. Um, and I'm also doing this episode on my own, so I don't have a guest with me, so then I can't, you know, there's no buffer here. I'm all alone. Um, as you may or may not have noticed, I was not able to put up an episode last week. I was in the beginning stages of moving, so just things got a little... A little unorganized, um, so I'm gonna try to put up another episode. I'm not really sure if that's gonna happen, um, like two in one week. I mean, because like I said, I'm moving, so I don't know. But I guess for now, let's just get right on into this. Um, this week, I'm gonna be covering the Dipic box. Uh, you may or may not have heard of it. I've heard mention of it before this. I didn't. I don't know. I feel like it's like in pop culture, but it's not like you know, the Annabelle doll or anything like that. But um, it is supposed to be either one of or the haunted, most haunted items in the world. So I'll just start off by explaining that Dybbuk means a malevolent wandering spirit that enters and possesses the body of a living person until it is exercised. And this is according to Jewish folklore. So um, Judaism, I mean, I'm Jewish by blood and all of that stuff. I can't say I'm the most knowledgeable in the religion, but, uh, we don't believe in hell. So this is like, I guess the Jewish version of demons is the best way I can compare it to something that we would have seen in like, like I said, the Annabelle movies or whatever. Uh, so this chest, it originated from Spain in the early 20th century. It used to belong to a woman named, uh, I'm going to say this wrong. Um, Havela. She was, uh, a survivor of the Holocaust in Poland. And then that's when she fled to Spain uh, her family didn't survive, and when she emigrated to America, this box was the only thing that she took with her. And um, she actually wanted to be buried with this box, but Judaism, uh, again, not not a friggin' expert on this, but in the religion, from what I've experienced, I guess, in my personal life, is like Jewish funerals are very simple. I believe it's like a pine box for a coffin. It's nothing, nothing fancy, so you don't really... You don't really take a whole lot with you. It's not like bury me with all my baseball cards kind of thing. Uh, So her family did not want her to be buried with this box. So after she passed, they sold it. um, They sold it in an estate sale. And the man who bought it was Kevin Manis. And what was inside of the box when he bought it, which um, I'm just going to preface right now. I'm not sure if he's the one that opened it in the beginning. Actually, I'm going to say that he wasn't. I will touch on this later, but I watched the Ghost Adventures special on it because uh, Zach Baggins did it uh, during the quarantine special that they've been doing, and he opens it then. So what's inside of the box is a golden wine chalice, a candlestick holder with tentacle legs, a dried rosebud, two locks of hair bound in ribbon, two 1920s pennies, that rhymed, a stone with the Hebrew word shalom, which means peace engraved onto it, and the Shema prayer, again, not a Judaism expert, uh, which is the corner, this is quote unquote, the, co- the cornerstone of Jewish morning and evening prayers carved into the wood. So again, I think, I think it was Zach Baggins who opened it. Like, I don't know. That's just according to the research I've done. That seems to be the first time I've heard of it being opened. Um, so when Manus learned the box was an heirloom, he offered to give it back to the family, but the granddaughter refused to take it back. And she said the box had been kept in her grandma's sewing room and was never open because a quote-unquote dibbic lived inside of it. And as I said, it's basically a Jewish demon. Um, and 
pretty much immediately after Manus had possession of the box, his luck started to take a turn for the worse. I guess Manus had a store and uh, he had put the box in the basement of his store. And while his the clerk who worked there was there alone, he said that the security gates came down, which I'm assuming are like the the metal gates in front of like a storefront. Uh, and they locked the poor clerk in. And he, like I said, was alone at the time. So, I mean, that's just terrifying on its own, even if it was an accident and something slipped. Uh, but then after that, all the light bulbs in the basement shattered Uh, which, again, is where the box was. So, rightly so, the clerk decided that that would be his last day on the job, and he never came back after that. And another thing Manus had happened while the box was in his possession, this time I'm assuming in his own home, was that he would have recurring nightmares of a quote-unquote demonic hag, which is a funny word to me. Uh, And in these nightmares, the hag would beat him, and he would wake up with bruises all over his body. And his sister said that while she was staying in Manus's house, that the same thing had happened to her. So, I mean, that's, and I, to my knowledge, I don't believe that she had known that those nightmares had happened to Kevin Manus. And it's not like, like a psychosomatic, like, oh, you had this, so I'm going to have it kind of fake it till you make it thing, you know? And, uh, I guess Manus decided to give this box to his mom on her birthday, which was October 31st, fittingly. And uh, his mom, I guess, very shortly after, like within minutes, I think, uh, that she had, she was given the box. She had a really bad stroke, which, I mean, this could all be coincidental, but I don't know. It just, that's a lot. Okay. I don't know if you guys are able to hear the ringing on like the last part of the last sentence I just said, but I started recording this last night around midnight and that ringing picking up, I heard it and I stopped and I took off my headphones and it was absolutely silent in my room. So of course I freaked myself out a little bit and I decided let's just, let's just finish doing this in the morning. So, um, yeah. So if it sounds a little choppy right now, that's why it's because I freaked myself out and I, I'm a big old baby. Um, but anyway, back to the story. Uh, after Manus's mom had a stroke, he decided, okay, I'm going to just, I'm going to get rid of this whole thing. And he posted it on eBay. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the eBay listing where he describes, I mean, some of this will be repeated from what I've already said, but I'm going to read what he described happened during his time with the box. All right. So all of these words following the sentence are going to be from the listing. Okay. All of the events that I'm about to set forth in this listing are accurate and may be verified by the winning bidder with the copies of hospital records and sworn affidavits that I am including as part of the sale of the cabinet. During September of 2001, I attended an estate sale in Portland, Oregon. The items liquidated at this sale were from the estate of a woman who had passed away at the age of 103. A granddaughter of the woman told me that her grandmother had been born in Poland where she grew up, married, raised a family, and lived until she was sent to a Nazi concentration camp during World War II. She was the only member of her family who survived the camp. Her parents, brothers, a sister, husband, and two sons and a daughter were all killed. She survived the camp by escaping with some other prisoners and somehow making her way to Spain, where she lived until the end of the war. I was told that she acquired the small wine cabinet listed here in Spain, and it was uh, one of only three items that she brought with her when she immigrated to the United States. The other two were a steamer trunk and a sewing box. I purchased a wine cabinet along with a sewing box and some other furniture at the estate sale. 
After the sale, I was approached by the woman's granddaughter who said, I see you got the Dybbuk box. She was referring to the wine cabinet. I asked her what a Dybbuk box was, and she told me when she was growing up, her grandmother always kept the wine cabinet in her sewing room. It was always shut and set in a place that was out of reach. The grandmother was always calling it a Dybbuk box. When the girl asked her grandmother what the inside was, her grandmother spit spit three times through her fingers and said, a Dybbuk, a Kesselim, and I don't know. Um, I don't know what this word is. Anyway, uh, the grandmother went on to tell the girl the wine cabinet was never, ever to be opened. The granddaughter told me that her grandmother had asked that the box be buried with her. However, as such a request is contrary to the rules of an Orthodox Jewish burial, the grandmother's request had not been honored. I asked the granddaughter what a dibbik and keselum, uh, there's that word again, were, but she did not know. I asked if she would like to open it with me. She did not want to open it, as her grandmother had been very empathetic and serious when she instructed her not to do it. Oh, emphatic, sorry. Not empathetic. Her grandmother had been very emphatic and serious when she instructed her not to do so, and, regardless of the reason, she wanted to on- honor her grandmother's request. I finally ended up offering to let her know, let her keep what seemed to be what seemed to me to be a sentimental keepsake. At that point, she was very insistent and said, no, no, you bought it. I explained that I did not want my money back and that it would make me feel better to do what I thought was an act of kindness. She then became somewhat upset. Looking back now, the way she became upset was just plain odd. She raised her voice to me and said, you bought it. You made a deal. When I tried to speak, she yelled, we don't want it. She began to cry, asked me to leave and quickly walked away. I wrote the whole episode off to the stress and grief she must be experiencing. I took my my purchases and politely left. At the time when I bought the cabinet, I owned a small furniture and refinishing business. I took the cabinet to my store and put it in my basement workshop where I intended to refinish it and give it as a gift to my mother. I didn't think anything more about it. I opened my shop for the day and went to run some errands, leaving the young woman who did sales for me in charge. Oh, I guess the clerk was a woman, not a man. My bad. After about a half hour, I got a call on my cell phone. The call was from my salesperson. She was absolutely hysterical and screaming that someone in the workshop breaking glass and was someone was in my workshop breaking glass and swearing. Furthermore, the intruder had locked iron security gates and emergency exit and couldn't and she couldn't get out. As I told her to call the police, my cell phone battery went dead. I hit speeds of 100 miles per hour getting back to the shop. When I arrived, I found the gates locked. I went inside and found my employee on the floor in a corner of my office sobbing hysterically. I ran to the basement and went downstairs. At the bottom of the stairs, I was hit by an overpowering, unmistakable odor of cat urine. And then in parentheses, it says, there had never been any animals kept or found in my shop. End parentheses. The lights didn't work. As I investigated, I found the reason the lights didn't work also explained the sounds of glass breaking. All of the light bulbs in the basement were broken. All nine incandescent bulbs had been broken in their sockets, and ten four-foot fluorescent tubes were lying shattering on the floor. I did not find an intruder, however. I should also add that there was only one entrance to the basement. It would have been impossible for anyone to leave without meeting me head-on. I went back up to speak with my salesperson, but she had left. She never returned to work in parentheses, after having been with me for two years, in parentheses. She refuses to discuss the incident to this day. I never thought of relating the events of that day to anything to have to do with this cabinet. Then things got worse. As I already indicated, I had intended to give the cabinet to my mother as a birthday gift. After two weeks, I made the purchase. I decided to get, after two, about two weeks after I made the purchase, I decided to get started refinishing it. I was surprised to find that the cabinet had a unique has a unique little mechanism. When you open one of the doors, the mechanism causes the opposite door and the little drawer below to open at the same time. It was very well made. Inside the cabinet, I found the following items. Oh, I guess he does open it. Okay. I wanted to read this listing and be surprised as I read it, so things are being clarified as I read it. Um, 
one nine okay so what's in the cabinet one 1928 u.s wheat penny one 1925 u.s wheat penny one small lock of blonde hair bound with string one small lock of black slash brown hair bound with string one small granite statue engraved and gilded with hebrew letters i've been told that the letters spell out the word shalom one dried rosebud one golden wine cup one very strange black cast iron candlestick holder with octopus legs i saved all the items in a box intending to return them to the estate the family has refused these items so they will be included in the sale of this cabinet after opening the cabinet i did not i decided not to refinish it i cleaned it and rubbed in some lemon oil it was at this time that i noticed that there was an inscription in hebrew carved into the back of the cabinet i have no idea what it says or if it's or if it is significant I've included a picture of that inscription below. On my mother's birthday, October 28th. Okay, my sources are getting, you know, my facts all fucked up. Okay. Oh, okay, hold on. I'm reading ahead. On my mother's birthday, October 28th, 2001, my mother called me to tell me she was going out of town with my sister for three days and we postponed celebrating her birthday together until she returned. On October 31st, there's the clarification. On October 31st, 2001, my mother came to my shop. We were going to have lunch together, but before we were... But before we were going to leave, I gave her the wine cabinet. She seemed to like it. While she examined it, I went to make a phone call. I hadn't been out of sight more than five minutes when one of my employees came running to my office saying that something was wrong with my mom. When I went back to see what the matter was, I found my mom sitting in a chair beside the cabinet. Her face had no expression, but tears were streaming down her cheeks. No matter how I tried to get her to respond, she would not. She could not. It turns out my mother had suffered a stroke. She was taken to the hospital by ambulance. She ended up suffering partial paralysis and losing her ability to speak and form words. In parentheses, she has, suge- she, she has since regained the ability to speak. In parentheses. She could understand things being said to her. She could respond by pointing to letters of the alphabet and spelling out words she wanted to say. When I asked her the following day how she was doing, she teared up and spelled out the words, no gift, is what it's spelled out. I assured her that I had given her a gift for her birthday, thinking she didn't remember. But she became even more upset and spelled out the words hate gift. I laughed and told her not to worry. I told her I was sorry she didn't like the cabinet and that I would get her anything she wanted if she would promise to get well soon. Still, I didn't associate anything that happened with the cabinet itself or anything paranormal. Frankly, I don't think I ever even used the term paranormal until this last month. I'll try to make this short now. I gave the cabinet to my sister. She kept it for a week, then gave it back. She complained that the doors didn't Uh, She couldn't get the doors to stay closed and that they kept coming open. There are no springs in the door mechanism and I have never found that the door and I have never found that the doors can't come open. I gave it to my brother and his wife who kept it for three days and then gave it back. My brother said it smelled like jasmine flowers while his wife insisted that it put out an odor of cat urine. I gave it to my girlfriend who asked me to sell it for her after only two days. I sold it the same day to a nice middle-aged couple. Three days later when I came back came to open the shop for a day i found the cabinet sitting at the front door with a note that read that read this has a bad darkness i had no idea oh this has a bad darkness i had no idea what that meant anyway i ended up taking it home then things got worse since the day i brought it home i began having a strange recurring nightmare every time i have the horrible dream it goes something like this i find myself walking with a friend usually someone i know well and trust at some point in the dream i oh and trust That doesn't. Usually someone I know well and trust at some point in the dream, I find myself looking into their eyes of the person that I am with. Why does that sentence, why does that sentence confuse me so much? I feel like the punctuation's off. 
Anywho, it is then that I realize that there is something different, something evil looking back at me. At, the, at that point in my dream, the person I am with changes into what can only be described as the most gruesome, demonic-looking hag I have ever seen. This hag proceeds then to beat the living tar out of me. I have awakened numerous times to find bruises and marks on myself where I have been hit by the old woman during the previous night. Still, I never related the nightmares to the cabinet, nor do I think I ever would have. About a month ago, however, my sister and brother and his wife came over to my house and spent the night. The following morning, during breakfast, my sister complained that she had a horrible nightmare. She said she had recalled having it a couple times before and went on to describe my nightmare exactly to the last detail. My brother and his wife froze as they listened, and they chimed in that they had both had the exact same dreams during the night as well. The hair was standing up on my back, on the back of my neck and still is. As we talked, it became clear that the common denominator was that each of us had had the nightmare during the times that the cabinet was in our respective homes. I called my girlfriend and asked if she could recall having any nightmares recently. She described the nightmare, same hag, everything. When I asked her if she remembered the date she had the nightmare, she said she did not. Then I asked if it happened to be the night before she gave me the cabinet back to sell her. She said, yeah, hey, how did you know that? Do you like my little acting there? Uh, now, th- now then, since my family discussion, it seems like all hell is breaking loose. For a week afterward, I decided to... S- I- For a week afterward, I started seeing what I can only describe as shadow things in my peripheral vision. In fact, numerous visitors to my house have claimed that they have seen these shadow things. I put the cabinet in an outside storage unit and was awakened by the smoke alarm in the unit, uh, in the unit went off when the smoke alarm in the unit went off in the middle of the night. When I went to see what was burning, I opened the door and didn't see any smoke. However, I did get hit with the smell of cat urine. When I went back inside, the smell in my house, the smell there was, the smell was there in my house. And then he says in caps lock, I do not own a cat and I never have. And then, okay, end caps. Uh, I went back outside and grabbed the cabinet. I brought it back inside and tried to research it on the internet. While I was surfing the net, I fell asleep and once again had the same freaking nightmare. I woke up at around 4.30 a.m. when it felt and smelled like someone was breathing on my neck. Smelled like? That's disgusting. Um, to find my house now smelled like jasmine flowers and just in time to see a huge shadow thing go loping down the hall, wa- the hall away from me. I would destroy this thing in a second, except I don't really have any understanding of what I may or may not be dealing with. I am afraid, and I do mean afraid, that if I destroy the cabinet, whatever it is seems to have come with the cabinet may just stay here with me. I've been told that there, I have been told that there are people who are on eBay that understand these kinds of things and specifically look for these kinds of items. If you are one of those people, please, please buy this cabinet and do whatever you do with a thing like this. Help me. You can see that I have no reserve price or minimum bid. If I can make things any easier, let me know and I will do everything within my abilities. One more note. On the same day my mom had her stroke, the lease to my store was summarily terminated without cause. The measurements are 12 and a half inches by seven and a half inches by 16.25 inches. Super deep, important detail there um, for you guys. Uh, and then in caps, all of the items that I originally found inside the cabinet are included in the sale and will be delivered with the cabinet. Uh, and then on June 12th, so when was this originally listed? This was originally listed on, um, I don't know an original date. Okay. Oh, it won't let me hold on. All right. Sorry. I was trying to find out when the original listing date was, but on June 12th, either way on June 12th, 2003, uh, Manus updated the listing by saying, there's no way that I can respond to all of the emails I've received since putting this thing online. I'll try now to update and answer the most common questions I've been receiving. One, no, I am not religious. Two, no, I do not wish 
or I do not wish to have or participate in any sort of exorcism or case study or photo sessions at my home. Three, no, I will not sell any of the individual pieces which were originally found separate from the pieces and the cabinet. No, four, no, I do not speak Hebrew, nor do I know what the word kesselum, there's that friggin' word again, um, means. I do not know that the word is even, even or a Hebrew word, there's a typo there. Uh, five, at the end of the auction, I have decided to take the opportunity to speak with the winner, winning bidder for two reasons. A, to make sure that the winner, winning bidder is a serious adult who has employed some value reasoning skills, some valid reasoning skills in making the decision to accept whatever this is. I will not be judged. I will not be judgmental. Do whatever you want or need with the after the sale and B to offer full details of the events that have transpired. After I've carried out those responsibilities and upon payment, I will have the cabinet and its contents delivered by us mail, blah, blah, blah. Um, at that point, I will have no further involvement with the matter in any way, shape or form period. And six, to all of you who have offered to pray, I may not be religious, but I'm certainly open to the possibilities, no matter what your religion might be. Thank you. And then on June 14th, he says, here's another update for everyone following this listing. No, cat's lock. No, I will not circumvent or make any deals outside of eBay, even for more money than the final auction price. If you want to win the auction and have the kind of money and have the kind of money some of you are offering, there shouldn't be any reason why you cannot simply place your bid in an open, honest fashion. I'm sure you can understand why I might be suspicious. Also, for those of you wanting to know if I'm still experiencing anything out of the ordinary, I thought everything was going okay until I got home on Friday, the 13th of June. So Friday the 13th. And found that the fish in my freshwater aquarium, all 10, were dead. I'm still hoping that this is all coincidental crap. And then that's the end of that listing. So... Yeah, uh, he he really freaking went through it with this thing. Uh, and then, so I guess the winning bidder on this eBay auction was uh, Josef Nitschke, and he was a student at Truman State University in Kirksville, Missouri. He claims that after getting the box, uh, he had lights and other electronics burn out in that he, and so I've, I've read a couple of sources. Um, one says he lost his hair or his roommate lost his hair who that could just be a male pattern baldness but they claim it happened like right when this happened or when he got the box uh and then he also said that he developed a bug infestation and i believe it was like poisonous like caterpillars i don't know um a bug infestation of where he had placed the box in his house so he did not hang on to that for very long um i he he started a blog about it and Jason Haxton, who was the director of the Museum of Osteopathic Medicine in Kirksville, Missouri, had been following the blog, and he was the one that ended up buying the box from Nietzsche. Um, and he bought it in the hopes that he could like solve some of the mysteries around it. He was intrigued by its story, and um, uh, he obviously, as you may have guessed, the day he got the box, or shortly after he got the box, his shit started going bad. So the day he got it, the day it arrived to his house, a tree almost fell on his house. Or no, it did fall on his house and it almost destroyed his house. And I will um, add a picture on the Instagram of this, uh, scary board pod on Instagram. And in this picture, you can see there are a ton of orbs like around the house, which I mean, I have definitely captured orbs in a camera before. I can't recall if I have if I've caught, if I've captured any during the daytime, but this is broad daylight and they're all like, there's a ton going on in there. Uh, so in addition to the house, uh, the tree falling on the house, he got hives, head to toe welts. 
started coughing up blood. He says that he uh, he had vision loss and he was bordering on, bordering on blindness. And then correction for two minutes ago, uh, it was actually Haxon who had the venomous centipedes that filled the wall where the box was stored. But the previous owner, Nitschke, did have a bug infestation. It just wasn't poisonous centipedes, which no thank you to that. Uh, so Haxon went to consult with a rabbi to try to figure out a way to secure the box and like kind of trap in whatever was obviously permeating throughout it wherever it was and so they decided to build an ark out of acacia wood and gold so he put the box in the ark that he built and then he put the ark into a military shipping crate so he's like you get the fuck in there and you stay the fuck in there basically so he kept this contained now contained dybbuk inside of that crate and he didn't tell people where he was hiding it he just wanted to keep it you know out of reach of anyone and he kept it a secret until he eventually donated the box to Zach, our favorite Zach Baggins of Ghost Adventures fame. And it is now in Zach's haunted museum in Las Vegas. So as I mentioned, uh, the Ghost Adventures is doing like a quarantine edition of it or whatever. And they were, I, I didn't watch the rest of the ones, but the one from what I gathered, they're just going through the museum and um, focusing on certain objects in there that's not the case it was the case for the episode I watched the episode I watched was purely about the Dybbuk box and um he well actually before I get into that I'm just gonna touch on a little side note our dearly beloved Post Malone was on an episode of Ghost Adventures before this quarantine edition it was 2018 um and in that episode you can see Zach he says that he was compelled to touch the box and then while Zach's hand is on the Dybbuk box. Post Malone touches Zach. So it he's kind of connected to it, although he's not directly touching it. And as we, you may know or not, who cares? I mean, not who cares. Bad choice of words. Anyway, you may or may not be following the pop culture news, but in 2018, Post Malone had some shitty luck. Uh, it started with his, the um, two tires blowing out on his private jet while they were on the runway, which is terrifying and could have died that way. And then I guess five days after that, there was an armed robbery at his house. And then a week after the robbery, his role, his Rolls Royce, uh, got into a car accident with another car. So a lot of people are saying that, um, it's because he had touched the Dybbuk box indirectly. And it's kind of like that bad energy or whatever, um, started fucking with him basically. Um, okay. So now we're going to get back to the quarantine ghost adventures episode that I watched, um, with the Dybbuk box. Um, apparently in, in that episode with Post Malone, Zach was going to try to open up the box, but he decided not to. I, like I said, something compelled him to it, but, um, you can see there's a clip of a video, which I'll probably end up including on the Instagram post for this week's episode. Um, he kind of like jumps back from it. Like, whoa, what am I doing? Um, I'm also going to preface and say, yes, I watch Ghost Adventures sometimes. I'm not like, I'm not convinced that it's not just like fanfare and dramatization and also like a, like a mental thing where maybe in their minds, they're not experiencing something that is not happening, but it's only happening because their mind said it's going to happen. You know, like, I don't know if they're just manifesting whatever it is that happens um 
or if it's actually happening. Who knows? I watch it because it's entertaining, not because I necessarily think it's the gospel truth. Um, anyway, that's my little uh, disclaimer there on these episodes. But uh, in the quarantine episode, he says that um, his, well, multiple people had reported seeing a black a black cloaked figure surrounding the box. And I guess a tour guide and one of the guests on the tour had seen the figure at the same time and they had them speak about it. And they were both, um, they're either really good actresses or they were truly genuinely like very disturbed by what it was that they had seen. Um, they, they couldn't really stop crying. Also side note, you might just hear my, one of my cats just meowing in the background. Um, anyway, Kevin Manis, the original owner of the box after the, um, the Holocaust survivor, um, he was actually on this episode via Zoom call because quarantine. And he was saying that his mother who had suffered the stroke, uh, he went into more detail of that and said that his mom, obviously when she had been able to form words again, described that a quote wave of pure evil went through her when she touched the box. So obviously that further made Manus believe that it, well, I guess he didn't really think it was the box at first, but I guess that helped him put that together would be the better way of saying that. Uh, anyway, Manus also continues to like tell more of a history about the box prior to the woman that had owned it before him. He said that the, the previous owners believe that they had summoned a dark entity and that they think it was responsible for all of the evil that had happened in the 20th century after they had summoned it. Um, which includes World War II, so I'm assuming he's not referring to the previous owner before him. Uh, World War II, I guess there was some, uh, I forgot what it was. I don't remember if it was in India. There was some kind of chemical exposure that blinded like something like 20,000 people. I really should know what this is. Uh, I'm just, I'm drawing a blank here. But um, I, another reason why I think it was a woman before the woman that he got it from is because the 1920s pennies that are in there. Why is it so funny to me whenever I say it anyway? So the, the previous owner who had summoned the evil, they split that evil, they trapped the evil and quote unquote ripped it apart into 10 different pieces. And then they had put them into 10 different Dybbuk boxes. So one of them is obviously this wine cabinet. Um, and then they had taken those 10 and they spread them throughout the world. And, the 10 Dybbuk boxes are supposed to symbolize the um, the Tree of Life from Kabbalah, which is some form of something related to Judaism. Uh, such a fake, fake Jew. Um, so Manus, I guess, had given Zach Baggins a second Dybbuk box from the 10. And this one, it looks, it's like a little chest and it looks like it has roots. So that's supposed to be the base of the Tree of Life. And then Manus himself has six of these Dybbuk boxes. So two of them are unaccounted for. And he uh, seems very fearful of what would happen if these boxes would all be reunited. Um, And then for the rest of the episode, Zach is just doing his doing his performance. I don't want to say performance. That sounds that sounds belittling. I don't mean it that way. But he does his. he he starts to investigate the box more and he eventually opens it and then everyone just starts acting weird. He, um one of the camera guys, I forget I forget his name, he passes out like twice. I don't know. Again, 
it's at the very least it's entertaining. You know, I don't know. I don't know how much. I don't know. But then if I do believe in this stuff, like in, I, I don't know. I'm just going to summarize it as that. I don't know. Take from it what you want. Uh, if you have the Discovery Plus uh, new streaming service, it's on there. You can watch it. I don't know if it's because I was watching it also late at night, but it did kind of freak me out a little bit, but I'm also, I guess I'm a big pansy, which I didn't think I was, but surprise, surprise, we learn something new about ourselves every day. Um, so yeah, that pretty much summarizes the Dybbuk box. This is a quickie little episode. Um, like I said, I'm in the process of moving, so I'm trying to stay up, up on this, but I don't really have, I don't have the resources, for example, time to really, um, get, like, get a guest and do all of that. But I will be reunited with, um, well, Marissa for one, our guest on episodes one and two. And we are going to watch the Cecil documentary that came out that coincidentally, I did not know the day that I, um, uploaded the Cecil episode of this. So we're going to watch that and then we're going to record a little follow-up episode on that. And things will be back on track shortly. Um, if you have any stories, I'm going to say this every episode. If you have any stories that you want to share, please do send them to me. Um, scary board pod on Instagram would probably be the best way for now, uh, to send those on over. They don't even have to be really like, Oh, I saw something walking down my hallway. They can just be like, there was this weird thing that happened. I don't, I don't care. I'm just interested in all of it. And then, Oh, I hate to be this person, but if you could, you know, subscribe, rate, and review. I would really appreciate it because it helps the exposure of this podcast as far as like the algorithm goes because life is just one big algorithm. Um, yeah, well, thank you so much for listening again. Sorry that I missed last week, but hang in there. I'll be back on sketch and I hope you all are doing well. And with that, goodbye. <laughs>